This is the SFF Audio Podcast. I'm Scott. And this is Jesse. And I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics. And I'm Alan Castor, and I uh, edit uh, science fiction for Audio Text. All right, Infinivox, right? You, uh, is, Infinivox is a uh, what do you call it? An imprint of Audio Text. Yes, is that, exactly. Is that the right way to say that? <laughs> yeah, that's what we try to do. We try to distinguish our uh, science fiction line from our uh, study guide. How how is the study guide line doing? I, I I never think about it anymore. But I remember when visiting your website years ago, um, I was saying, "Well, if I was a biology student, I would I would be so there." <laughs> is it still uh, going strong? Yes, our um, our um, our series is called Biology on. Well, it used to be Biology on Tape. Now it's Biology on Discs, and uh, it's it's. It's a very strong product line for us, yes. Is it like to university level or high school? What's the idea there? Well, it's it's primarily for introductory college biology students, although um, these days a lot of kids now take AP biology classes in high school, and right. so, so they provide a wonderful review before the AP exam for the, for the kids. That's, a, that's actually... A really good market. I, I, uh, yes. Why only biology? Um, there's got to be a history and uh, tons of other stuff. Chemistry. Guys <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's yeah, there's there's a lot out there. Um, I think um, uh, one of the things we'd love to do is a chemist a unit on chemistry, yeah. but there's just so much math in it. it, it it's hard to do math. Uh, you know, and and listen to it without uh-huh. maybe some visual uh, aids. Well, you have a PDF you could send them on the desk, well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'd definitely be looking in, in that direction. Uh, but right now, uh, we've, uh, we, you know, we're, we're still looking at all our alternatives. One of, one of the things that's uh, um, going on now is, is that uh, more and more people want to download their audio uh, rather than buy you know, CDs. Um, I've just thought of this comparison. There's sort of a similar company, uh, I think a little more famous than uh, Infinivox, but um, it does the same thing. It started off as a, uh, a biology uh, product and ended up uh, doing a lot of science fiction. Um, that's um, It's called BioWare. Have you heard of it? No, I'm not familiar with BioWare. BioWare's a like an Alberta company that started off doing um, medical medical software for hospitals mm-hmm. and such, and now is a huge company in video games, doing uh, a game called Mass Effect and um, a Dungeons and Dragons style um, uh, console games. Uh, ah. And I I think it was just like the sort of the similar situation. From what I recall of talking to you by email years ago, uh, you, you were saying that, uh, how, how, tell, tell us how you, you got into convincing uh, your bio uh, audio <laughs> text into um, uh, doing science fiction stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was doing a lot of traveling uh, uh, 
going from university to university and 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 uh, 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 selling the uh, the bio uh, the biology on tape at that time it was on cassette and um, and all this time between towns it was like downtime and I thought wow it sure would be nice to listen to some science fiction while I'm driving. And it so happened uh, that uh, there was some science fiction out on audio, but it was mostly you know, Star Trek, Star Wars. And uh, so then I, I started talking to uh, the powers to be about doing this line. And, uh, and first I thought I was a little nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then they gave in. And so, um, so it's it's been a it's been a wonderful, wonderful line for us. Yeah, I mean, you 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 ended up picking basically all the greatest short or novella length fiction um, that nobody was producing as a as an audiobook. And I, as soon as I discovered these these things on yeah, they're all on cassette at the time. Um, I, I was like, how come nobody's talking about this? How come nobody's uh, jumping for joy? These are the greatest science fiction stories I've never heard. Yeah. <laughs> I often <laughs> tell my boss that if, uh, <laughs> if somebody else had, 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 had done this, we wouldn't have a science fiction line. No kidding. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've listened to him um, almost since the beginning. Um, I remember... Uh, some of the earlier ones, like uh, A Walk in the Sun by Jeffrey Landis, um, read by Amy Bruce. That, that may be my favorite one. Is that your first release, Alan? No, uh, our first release uh, was actually... Um, we, well, we actually, we released four at a time back then, and uh, our first four releases included uh, Robert Reed's uh, Guest of Honor. That's a terrific story. Um, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin's The Shelby Story, Bruce Sterling's Hollywood Kremlin, and then Ian Watson's uh, Slow Birds. Yeah, I, I have all, all four of those on cassette. I remember uh, being very excited to get them, but uh, I, I just couldn't believe Robert Reed's uh, story there. Uh, it was like, um, that was just like, this is the greatest science fiction story I haven't heard. <laughs> uh, how come uh, you know if this is what the magazines like? I, I went and started reading the magazines, uh, thinking that every Robert Reed story was going to be that awesome. And he does write good stories, but not nearly that well. And I think I think his stories particularly do well on audio. Oh yes, I, I think so too. Um, and his, uh, that story. Uh, is one of my favorite all-time uh, no, uh, novelettes. It's just, it's. I don't know how to. I mean, I really like a lot of his stories, and but that that's certainly up there. Yeah, best. He's got he's got a, a special ending. You know the way he does endings is is. is you know, I don't know. I don't know that I'd heard that one. I, I'm pretty sure I haven't read it. But what's uh, what's it about? I did a review of it uh, years ago. I, I'm sure I read that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just wish I had memorized it so I could talk about it now. Perhaps you'd refresh our memories. Uh, yeah, what's the... What's Guest of Honor. Uh-huh. So, um, uh, you want to describe it? Alan? Well, uh, Guest of Honor is a, is, um, is a tale about near-immortals that are uh, um, 
trying to explore the universe um, in ways that they uh, don't get hurt and keep their mortality. And so what they do is they create compilation humans, which are humans that have a, a, a piece of gene from this, uh, this near immortal and a piece of gene from that uh, immortal. Uh, and and they put them together, send them off to uh, uh, on, on to explore the universe, and then they come back uh, to these near mortals. And I, I don't want to spoil the end. And share and share their experiences. Yes. Mm. Um, now, what's what's cool about it, other than yeah, the great ideas? It's actually quite a biology story too. I mean, if, <laughs> I can see why you picked it. Um, <laughs> But it's it's a uh, it's it's first it's got the title guest of honor right it makes you think of a science fiction convention, um, and in a way there is a convention at it in it you know everybody who's involved in the creation of this this artificial person you know created with all these different people's genes uh, is is the guest of honor uh, in you know the returning hero, um, but it's got a twist at the end and. Um, it's all logical, and it also it also flows from the idea that um, when your lifespan is, you know, indefinite, then you would put a very high premium on death. Um, it, it's very, you know, you wouldn't do anything dangerous if you could live forever. Whereas, you know, if you're only going to live another couple of years, you're you're more likely to try and jam a lot of uh, dangerous experiences into that. So that it's a very conservative culture um, mm -hmm. created by immortality. Which I, I don't think you see a lot of that in vampire movies, for example. <laughs> <laughs> they tend to be rather liberal with their uh, activities and going outside in the sunlight. That's yeah, an interesting... I, oh, go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I just wanted to add it about the the the... the, the twist ending was uh, I, I read a lot and so I'm, I usually uh, can anticipate the, the twist mm -hmm. endings and, and this one just took me totally by surprise but it, it also uh, follows logically which is the way you like it right? Absolutely yeah well, that was terrific is there a Robert Reed in this latest collection? The year's yeah. top 10? Yeah exactly there's uh, 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 five thrillers by Robert mm -hmm. Reed yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of these. I'm sort of savoring them as I go. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this one's great. I need to talk about this. Yeah, I, I listened to Five Thrillers. Um, good, good, good story. It, it's really interesting. It's kind of a, a, a sociopath, I guess, is what you'd call the main character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yes, you could. Yet, yet he's uh, kind of trying to save humanity at the same time. Um, it's bizarre. Um, it's, but it's very unique. <laughs> well, yeah, and I was looking, as I was listening to your description of the previous story, which now I want to seek out, I was looking at this list saying, oh, this all makes sense, because this guy at the same time in Five Thrillers, as you're hearing this story and seeing the progression of the unveiling of the sociopath's character and how he influences things one way or the other, it sounds very much like, that examination of one little aspect of humanity but logically extended in many ways and uh that's which sounds like what that other story was talking about too yeah 
in a way, uh, he's kind of like um, Ted Chiang. Um, he's not, you know, Ted Chiang doesn't write very much, so we don't mm-hmm. get that, uh, you know, that same sense about him. But then they also, I don't think Robert Reed writes a lot of novels, or if he does, uh, they're not ones I've yeah, seen he's, on he's the shelves. I, I know of one, but um, I know he re- writes, you know... He's got to have over a hundred short stories published. Yeah, he's he's yeah. he's primarily a a magazine, you know, mm-hmm. selling guy. But uh, yeah, I I'm pretty much there for any anything Robert Reed goes to audio because uh, the stuff that's getting picked for audio tends to be the stuff that you know is the cream of the crop that he writes. And I think he he probably has at least five or six stories a year. And is it analog or he's all over the place. Okay. Fantasy and science fiction, um, you know, some in analog. I, I don't know. I, I think he's been in Asimov's too. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure he's been everywhere. Um, but yeah, he publishes a few a year in, in almost every magazine. I think. Now, uh, Ted Chiang, uh, on the other hand, he only writes like one story every two years. Is that right? Or one <laughs> Some, story, <laughs> something like that. He's been getting, he's been getting uh, more prolific. I think. It but they're like, so good. Oh, they're unbelievable. I, I, I'm not sure if good is good enough word for it. Well, yeah, they're they're like gems. They're masterpieces. They're uh, he's he's worth waiting for. Yeah. If that's what it takes to produce one of his stories. I don't know. Wow. I think we should just get him out of his day job and try and try and get him working full time at this thing. Yeah. Is that what's slowing him down? He I has to. Do I don't think so. I think it's not. I think. Uh, I think the way he describes it, it sounds like, um, you know, he he sort of slowly crafts the story over a long, mm-hmm. long time and waits for the ideas to come. Yeah, I, I heard see an it. interview of him. There's an interview of him um, yeah, out Tony there. Yeah, one, I think. Yeah. And in there he said, yeah, I, I wish I could write more. But it's more of a this is how it comes to me kind of a thing. Yeah, he that, said, if that's I could okay. Do it, if I could do it, I would do it, he said. But, uh, yeah. How about cloning? Can we do cloning? <laughs> <laughs> but remember what you said about Robert Reed, where every story isn't as good as the other one, and maybe that's yeah. the price that you pay, is you yeah. have to wait every once a year or once every two years for Ro- Robert Reed's story to hit that peak. Well, okay. Ted's just sloughing it all off for us. Uh, the other solution is for uh, someone to invent a uh, uh, you know, cold sleep. You know, so I could <laughs> just be woken up every nine months or whatever. That would work. So you could have a steady supply of those stories. Yeah, he yeah. he blows my mind every single time. He yeah. does. He does me too. The first story I read yeah. of his was a story of your life, um, which is I have a, not read that yet. I believe that's nobody's put that's that on probably audio. Uh, yeah. That's I don't I think that's a novella. I'm pretty sure it's beyond novelette length. Um, do you know, Alan? I, I think you're right. I think it is a novella. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, it's good pretty long. I think it'd uh, maybe uh, be longer than, than you'd want to do, but what a remarkable no! story that is. I think it's perfect for Infinibox. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah, uh, a story of your life is about, um, it, it's told from the point of view of this lady who, um, she's a scientist, and um, aliens contact the Earth, so she's involved with the communication with these aliens. But at the same time, interwoven into that is the story. She's telling the whole story to her daughter, but in in a tense oh. that's not natural. 
Um, so, which you don't understand until, it, you know, as the story goes on, you begin to understand what exactly is going on. Um, but it's really, really quite excellent. Um, have you read that one, Alan? Oh, yeah. I, I, um, I'm not sure if I've read everything that uh, Ted has written, but uh-huh. I sure read a lot of it, and, and he, he's, he's just an amazing author. Yeah, he really is. But that was the first one I read, and I was hooked since then. And um, he has a book out called Stories of Your Life and Others, which was everything he had written up to the point that was published. And since then, I think he's written um, three more, I think. <laughs> Exhalation is included in this uh, in your latest mm-hmm. title, mm-hmm. Um, which we should mention: the year's top ten tales of science fiction. Yeah, thanks. You bet. Um, so it's really um, 2008's top ten tales of science fiction, right? That's right. Uh-huh. Are you hoping this will be an annual thing? Uh, yeah, we're planning to come out with uh, the year's top ten tales of science fiction two next year. Oh, fantastic! Cool. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah exhalation in this collection is is uh, you know, it's the second time I've heard it, and it doesn't get worse. <laughs> it gets <laughs> yeah, it gets you know, it keeps the same level of uh, of you know. He's I, I was thinking about different things while I was listening to it. One of the things I was thinking about is, you know, we find out almost right away that we've got a situation with mechanical men or mechanical something, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't uh, he doesn't spend time on the things that other science fiction writers might think about. So the story's not about mechanical men; it's about science, and he's doing science. But it's, it's also a he. And I was thinking, well, why why are they he's? You know, <laughs> it's a robot. Um, well, if he went into starting to explain about you know gender neutrality and stuff it wouldn't be as personal and it also wouldn't help the main thrust of his story which he also is very good at never losing track of you know he knows exactly the kind of story he's telling you and he's going to take you on that journey without (laughs) without you uh knowing exactly where you're going it's sort of like a, a fog ahead uh you know on a train journey but it's a very specific journey he's taking you on well, yeah, and the thing that he does so well is some people will plunge you right into the middle of a world and you're kind of floundering around while you read and get the clues as to the orientation. And in his case, he does that same thing, but he starts off building it so carefully that you never feel lost. You're just kind of following to see where it goes and he's building, putting building block after building block so that your view broadens. And I, I've never really read a similar author who's so good at yes you're in the middle of it i'm going to tell you about one little thing that you'd only know if you were already part of this world but you're not just sitting there going okay i'll read a a few pages just to see if i can get figure out what's going on you always know absolutely he's he's so good at that Mm -hmm. and and then what i like is that he 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 wraps all that around a, a, a very hard science fiction principle Absolutely, it's, mm-hmm. not science fiction, but, but science principle of uh, uh, going from a, a situation of greater pressure to less lesser pressure, and and all the while, <laughs> it's it, it, well the story evolves around, uh, uh, around that theme. It it to me it doesn't seem like hard sci-fi, but gosh. I think you'd have to classify it as hard sci-fi. It's absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's a science fiction story, 
Um, mm-hmm. It's what it's it's about the process of you know uh, ex- exploration and experimentation and well, it, what it it made me think about um, consciousness and souls and um, I think he has right. a, he has a very religious oh, yeah. quality to what he writes. <laughs> Um, at yes, least to me, yeah. I guess a, as a religious person, maybe that's just the way I interpret it, but almost all of his stories have kind of a transcendental element that makes me think um, higher thoughts like that. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what I really like about him. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I think that what that's just adds to his, his stories. I mean, they, they are, while they, they may read simply... There, there's a lot of context to it, uh, and, and they're really not very simple stories. Right. Another, uh, I, as I said, I haven't finished listening to this collection, but um, another one that I, I have been uh, finished listening to actually last night, I thought I'd mention is uh, the Ray Gun, uh, a love story, <laughs> or is it a, is it a, a love story or a romance? A love story. Okay. I loved that. Yeah. yeah, and that was great, wasn't it? It grew on me, um, especially at the end. I I was thinking about as I my mind was sort of wandering while I was going through it, thinking what's what's influencing this story. It it felt very meta science fictional to me. Uh, you know, they they're, they're, we all, we kind of even say you know it's a ray gun and science fiction story, a ray gun and spaceship story, right? So. It, the title and the premise is sort of a, you know, iconic science fiction story. And yet, I was as I was thinking about it, it's kind of like Scott's uh, story. Um, you know, uh, what was your story called, Scott? Uh, adrift. Adrift, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that in that it it gets its power, and it does have power. It gets its power not from, you know, inventing a new um, uh, science fiction trope, but by working within that, telling a person's story, a story about people, and um, and so I was thinking, you know, where, 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 if this is not an original idea, what is what is it that is making me like it? And so I was I was thinking, you know, it's this because the story works, it, it has a uh, beginning, middle, and an end uh, that are not foreseeable from the beginning. Um, it tells you know on you know the story of this guy's life uh, with the ray gun. It brings up a bunch of possibilities, takes them away, and then gives them back again. Uh, and yet, it's also working on you know these old ideas. Sort of felt similar to a couple of Larry Niven uh, premises. Larry Niven wrote a. Uh, a uh, novel, I think it was, called World of the Patavs, which had uh, um, an ancient civilization, spacefaring aliens, um, crash land on Earth and go into the sea. Um, but they are preserved using um, using a stasis field. So it's like a alien technology crash lands on Earth, and later people develop things from that. It's sort of similar. Um, and uh, I think there was another one sort of a you know uh, there might even been a ray gun in one of the science fiction shorts maybe the Star Trek animated series had a adaptation 
of uh, one of Larry Niven's stories that was sort of similar. Hmm. You know, using a ray gun from an ancient civilization crash landing, something like that. But yeah, I thought it was terrific. Well, because it's a really a story of life in terms of this young man, and there's always something in the back of his mind that he's working toward. I think we could say without trying to give it away. Yeah, and yeah. it's just the fact that the author every so often drops in one little sentence to remind you, oh, yeah, oh yeah, right, right, I forgot about this. Uh, the ray gun, yeah. <laughs> right, and that's the it's thing about, you know, focus. yeah, exactly, and it's about the ray gun. And, you know, here and there, he'll drop it in, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just that this guy's thinking about it. There are other things going on, too, but you're not going to be – told a lot about that so I, I thought it was really really well crafted that way where he'd kind of take you off because he was telling the love story but then he'd drop back in remember what caused this remember where it came from remember this so always about the ray gun and um, I thought that was really an interesting way to do it and a perfect little ending because I was already kind of thinking about that at that point because mm-hmm. you're led that way about the ray gun at the end I was like <laughs> Huh. <laughs> and that kind of leaves you open to wonder about it, which is also good. Yeah, yeah totally. James Allen Gardner, is that who wrote it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what have we read by him before? I don't. I, it sounds like a familiar name, but I, I don't recall. Um, boy, nothing leaps to my mind. Um, I don't uh, he, he wrote... Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I, I don't remember the title exactly, but he he um, uh, Dose Wall put out a, a an anthology uh, Galileo's Dream or something like that, and he had a story in there about uh, about um, uh, uh, it, it was it's about reason uh, versus uh, uh, non-reason, I guess. Uh, uh, something about uh, a theory of of something in the blood, but I, I just don't I can't remember the title. It was a wonderful story, though. Hmm. Looking on, on his Wikipedia entry, he's got uh, several novels and a short story collection called Gravity Wells from 2005. Hmm. Canadian science fiction author. <laughs> You should be on top of that. Ah, he's in Ontario. <laughs> I, I don't do that. <laughs> You're more of a global thinker, right? Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> Particularly focused on Texas today. <laughs> well, as as it should be, truly. But, um, you know, a story that I've, uh, an author, actually, that I find interesting is Jeffrey Ford. Yeah. I've heard a couple of his stories on Starship Sofa, and then this one seems to be from the same kind of a universe. Does he always write about the? I'm sorry, and it's called the Dream of Reason. Does anybody know? Does he always kind of write his stories in this kind of a fantastical setting? I don't know. I I, I haven't heard that one yet. I've read Have y'all heard um, Empire of Ice Cream. I'm trying to remember what it was about though. Um, but I know that well, I've read it. This story is is it was a great story. Although I found the ending to be kind of like I I, I did not really like the ending of it, but that might just be me. Um, but it's you know kind of one of those settings where I imagine it always to be like ancient Italy, where you had the alchemists trying to turn 
lead into gold and, you know, figure things out, except he always takes it much further. So you've got a fantastical setting where this, I, and again, I don't think he's a wizard, but I listened to this a while ago, but he, I imagine him like in one of those hats and the robes, and he has decided, he's trying to figure out what is matter created of, and he's decided that light has weight and maybe, Alan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but so light must be what matter is made of. So he starts conducting experiments to see if he can figure that out, if that's right. Does that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's what's and going it, on in the story. Okay, and it takes him into this. And so first you're looking at all these constructions that he would make to try to figure it out. And then, you know, using whole cities. And then to further his experiment, he would have to do something that would be so costly that he won't do it, and nobody would finance it. So he figures out a way to do it using this young girl. And um, I don't think I'll take it any further, because most of the story, I think, is exploring how he's doing the experiment. But it's all kind of that... The other story I heard was, I think it was a Nebula Award nominee, maybe. That one was, uh, was on Starship Sofa called The Dream yeah, End. Yeah, that, oh man, and that was an amazing story. But it was a similar kind of a setting. It, it was that kind of a setting where everything was just real enough to be where you could imagine it, but not real at all. Because those dreams in that story were amazing. Sounds good. Yeah, and it, it was this story was good too. Like I say, I did not particularly like the ending, but that's my personal reaction to it. I think. Um, I, I this story is uh, uh, just is one of my favorites uh, because it examines just uh, the, the scientific method, which is the basis mm-hmm. of science, uh, and 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 it reminds me, I guess. The way he writes the story, it reminds me of having a mix of, of uh, Jack Vance and, and Ray Bradbury together. That's a good mix. Yeah, Ray and, Bradbury. And, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So I, I just, I just, I read this story and I just fell in love with it. I was just, oh my gosh, uh, it was uh, for, it was for me, uh, you know, uh, that sense of wonder just, boom, hit me with this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just for me. It was, it, it's it's. I guess if you talk about beauty of the story on on this, uh, this has probably for me uh, the most uh, of all the titles on, on the um, on this uh, uh, anthology. To me, it's it's the most beautiful story. I'm gonna put that on my next. My I think next I would playlist. have playlist. Did you listen to it, Scott? Um, no, I haven't heard it yet. Okay, I I I would think I would agree because I did manage to listen to all the stories, mm-hmm. and and like you know the only thing I didn't like, well I don't know if I want to say what I didn't like about the ending because <laughs> I don't want to ruin it, mm-hmm. but it's like it was like he was making a joke at the end, and I went no I that's not how it should be, <laughs> so uh, you guys will have to see if you agree with me when you finally listen. Okay, will do. You know another what, what, one that reminded me. I mean you mentioned Bradbury. Uh, 26 Monkeys, also The Abyss by oh, Kids Johnson. I love that, that yeah, story. It was a good yes. story. And it, it was, it was uh, a little bit of Bradbury in there, I felt. Uh, yeah. But uh, but I really uh, liked it. Yeah, that was a, pretty much a pure fantasy there. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. Well, That was also <laughs> nominated for a 
a Nebula or a Hugo or no, not a Hugo, but a Nebula maybe award or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but yeah, it was a terrific story. Yeah, I think yeah. it's been nebulated for the Nebula, and I think it's it's also nominated for a World Fantasy Award. That, oh, uh, and it should be. Show. Yeah, really fantastic story. No, but I I I I feel it's science fiction. Uh, oh, I, mean, really? I can see. Uh, yeah, I mean, because uh, when the monkeys disappear, we don't know where they're going. Another dimension, it's never explored. So, th- to me, that's that's the science fictional part of oh, the story. Oh, I see. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I, I suppose I would call it a fantasy because um, there is no exploration of uh, how the exactly science. things happening. Yeah, it's, right, uh, right. It, it may as well be magic, you know. Well, the, I, I think that that, <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, uh, fantasy because... Yeah. Um, in real life, there's tons of phenomena that happen that we don't have any explanation for. That's true. <laughs> and yet I still think that we're living in a science fiction world rather than a fantasy world. Sticking by his guns. That's right. <laughs> that's right. How well, of course, how, how the science wasn't the point these? of the story. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's true. Come to choose these particular stories. I mean, are, are they just really, you know, Alan Caster's picks of the best Favorites? stories? <laughs> Because I, I, I'm willing to go with that, because yeah. basically, you know, you're an anthologist even before this anthology, or the, <laughs> or the previous one, the short, the short um, flash fiction length stuff. Yeah, the, the mini masterpieces. Right, the mini masterpieces. Even before that, you've been anthologizing, uh, you know, just one, one book at a time, one uh, very <laughs> yeah, short one, one large work called The Great, great Stories of Science Fiction. Yeah, right? The Great Science Fiction Stories yeah. Collection. <laughs> But uh, uh, is that how you picked it? Just, just like the same way? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess you know, I being an anthology editor, I think is, is a lot like being, being a uh, you know a, a coach for an athletic team. You know, you're you're trying to to pick um, uh, uh, like a coach is trying to pick uh, you know the best players he can get. I'm trying to pick the best stories I can get. Uh, and, um, and so what, basically what I'm doing is I, as I read, uh, short stories, I'm putting <laughs> notes, uh, and stars <laughs> and, and then, um, and, and then, you know, at the end of the year for, 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 uh, it's different with a year's, uh, uh, best, uh, anthology, is this? You really have to wait till January, end of uh, December or early January before you can actually make your final decisions. Whereas uh, other anthologies, you can make them pretty quick. Was there was there uh, you know a tenth or uh, an eleventh story that didn't fit in? You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be released separately or just? I, well, I, I I don't know. Uh, well, wait and see. I I you know. Doing anthology uh, audio is is sometimes you know it's it's a little different than doing printed. Uh, uh, like for example, probably the eleventh story would have been uh, Paolo uh, Bacci Galupi's um, The Gambler, um, out in uh, one of those uh, fast forward. Uh, I guess it was fast forward two by uh, edited by Lou Anders, mm-hmm. and uh, oh that that was a terrific story. But I, I just didn't. Feel that uh, that uh, I had the, uh, the ability to do a really good job uh, uh, putting that from uh, uh, from text. We're losing your your volume a bit. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me. That's adjust better. My... That's better. Okay. So anyway, so I, I just didn't feel that I, uh, uh, we were capable of of, of doing a doing a, a real good job of tra uh, taking it from print to audio. Okay. Are some you, some uh, stories don't work as well in audio. You think? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, your your last few releases have been well. Your last uh, two major releases have been um, anthologies. Are you going to get away from the single stories? Is that uh, part of your plan or? Um, Yes, exactly. Well, we're we're probably pretty much stopped uh, the the um, great science fiction stories, and uh, we're we're now focusing on anthologies. Great. Okay. Well, you could do a big uh, re-release of the great science fiction stories as a as giant an anthology. anthology. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? I, I'd probably buy it again. <laughs> I would probably buy that, and I don't buy much audio. But I was looking at this list, thinking I did listen to every single story. And even though I didn't like everyone, because it's really hard to hit a single person other than the one who's picking them out, I think, uh, with every story. I was looking at this and thinking it's so well balanced from all the different types of stories and so, and, um, so many different great authors that I would buy this for some, I mean, this would sound odd, I guess, but my mother loves science fiction. And I kind of prepped her for this sort of thing by a long car trip that we took, and I had downloaded all of Starship Sofa's Nebula nominees and everything, and so we listened in the car, and she really surprised herself and me by how much she enjoyed listening to the stories and critiquing them later. And I was thinking, ooh, Christmas present, I think. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because I, I was just looking at this and thinking there's probably stories here that she would love that I didn't really particularly, you know, go for one way or the other for completely different reasons. I just think it's a really well-rounded selection. Are you going to be selling these at the convention? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're going to uh, FenCon next weekend in, in Dallas, and, uh, yeah, we'll absolutely be there selling our, our CDs. Right. Ben Cotton. Um, yeah, I've got uh, your upcoming release here too. Is it okay to talk about that before release? Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. What I've got here in my hands is, is Aliens <laughs> Rule. Aliens Rule by edited by Alan Castor. It's got three stories on it. Um, the first one, one of my favorite short story writers, uh, James Van Pelt. How music begins. A junior high school band director struggles to keep the band members' spirits up after they've been shanghaied by unknown and unseen aliens and combined <laughs> to a dormitory and practice auditorium. So that's, that's cool. Okay, by Carolyn <laughs> Ives Gilman. Uh, Okanagan Falls. A housewife subtly resists the foreseeable relocation of her townspeople by an alien military captain. And last is Nancy Cress. Um, the great Nancy Cress. <laughs> Laws mm -hmm. of Survival. Finally, in order to stay alive, a woman must make dogs act correctly for aliens in Laws of Survival <laughs> by Nancy Kress. Um, okay, right now I, I have to get that. <laughs> Just the descriptions, I'm so sold that, that's completely. that's being released in October, if, if that's that okay. right. That's right, it's, uh, the release date is October 6th. Okay, well that's terrific. You should try and get a review of that up before, uh, before it comes before out. October 6th, cool. We will definitely try to do so, and we'll get a review up of uh, this anthology as well. Um, 
Uh, Julie, are you going to do that for us? <laughs> sure, because I've got a lot of spare time on my calendar. Let me just put that down. <laughs> well, we could probably, we could probably do, uh, we, we split those stories up. We could do a joint review. Yeah, I, I, if, I if, could do that. Would you be up for that, Julie? I think yes, I would definitely just, be up for that, okay. and I would make my overall comment again that I made in there, because uh, I think it's well-balanced. I really liked, I hadn't heard, and this may show my own ignorance, because I'm not such a short story reader, as much as I could be, Paul McCauley, that City of the Dead seemed to me to be like the quintessential science fiction classic story. I, Did anybody I agree else listen you. to that? No, I haven't heard it yet. But no, I haven't heard list. it yet either. I listened to the the four that uh at the end there, which okay. I do need to mention. Chagas and Bloom by Elizabeth Bay. Yeah, that that one I've, I've heard. <laughs> because you know how mm-hmm. I said my favorite was A Walk in the Sun. Well, my other favorite is A Colder War <laughs> by Charles Strauss, which is another uh, kind of an yeah, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, I don't know if you call it a homage. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Chagas and Bloom is also H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Um, Ian, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So. Yeah, but, yeah by the way. Um, Except I, it was anti-racism. That's uh, uh-huh. not quite so Lovecraftian, but <laughs> we're going to let that go. That's true. <laughs> yeah. but Sorry, I interrupted. Destruction and mayhem. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, you almost have a uh, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft homage anthology uh, ready to print. <laughs> <laughs> you need one or two more, no, and then that's actually a really good idea. It really yeah. is. I think it would you'd sell those like crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm taking notes. Mm-hmm. I think that that yeah. people, people would love that. Pretty terrific. But those are both really excellent stories. Um, but, um, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, talk, talk, talk more about um, City of the Dead. What's the premise there? Mm-hmm. I, well, I was going to say it's it's almost. Uh, it's like a Western and Indiana Jones and science fiction. And I mean, it's basically a planet out in the rim somewhere, it seems like. And, um, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I did listen to these a couple weeks ago. But it's a woman who's been co-opted to be the local sheriff. And she's made friends with a, an elderly woman who's a scientist, archaeologist. And they have these... It's like giant ant hills with these creatures that are kind of I imagine them like ferocious giant ants. Does that sound right? Um, well, I know there were ant Alan, creatures in five I think, thrillers. Go ahead. I, I think they uh, she describes them uh, with hive rats. Mm. Yeah, and so hive rats. That's right. I guess it's because it's like an ant-like civilization, but it's like giant rats. So. Mm-hmm. So you got the attack of the fifty-foot woman in there too, and um, and um, there are things down in there that are ancient artifacts from the alien race that's no longer on the planet that this archaeologist is trying to get to, and she's discovered a way you can do that using pheromones. But in the midst of all this, and the burgeoning friendship and the exploration, which is just slightly touched on, come these you know villains kind of like the local mob who wants to take it over and get those artifacts because they can sell them. And so then it turns into the showdown and who can outwit the other. Does does that sound like a fair summary? But that's it exactly. You think? It's uh and, and, but it was great. 
Go ahead. And, and then I'd throw in some enigmatic alien uh, artifacts. <laughs> yeah, and that was almost the Ray Bradbury element of the, the tombs with these flickering ghost-type creatures that you never really understood. No one understands them. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. And um, that's almost was like um, his Martian Chronicles, some of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But and, but the Old West is very much present in that. Oh, yeah. It almost, that, it almost feels like, uh, you know, as people like, uh, I can imagine, like the gold rush. Here, here they're trying to, it's not a gold rush, it's, a, it's an alien technology rush because it's making some people rich and they can capitalize yeah. on that, that alien technology. Right. Firefly goes archaeology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. that's right. Good point. Well, boy, do I have more listening to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. And I've, I've heard uh, most of these stories, uh, most of the uh, ones that you've published before now. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, Shoggoths in Bloom for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I heard that on Starship Sofa as well. Is that where I heard it? Was it there? I can't remember. Uh, I don't, it didn't or look it might have been an escape pod or something like that. Yeah, it might have been an escape pod. I can't yeah. remember. It, it was out there on audio as well before. I was um, I, When I was listening to it the second time, um, it reminded me kind of a, of a story by Delia Sherman called uh, Mrs. Carstairs and the Merman. Is that <laughs> familiar to anybody? No. No. <laughs> um, well, Delia Sherman's not someone I've heard a lot of about or from but um i thought that was a really great story uh it was in a durkham collection from years ago uh and it's a it's about a woman uh 19th century um i mean i, I guess uh Chagas is the 1930s 1940s uh, it's just oh, the yeah. rise it's of, right of hitler, hitler right yeah right yeah yeah. yeah so this is a little earlier but um there's this woman, and she's sort of a strange, strange person, and nobody uh, thinks much of her, but she's very scientifically bent, and one day uh, she's walking on the beach, and she sees a merman who is washed up on the beach and is half dead, and she takes him home to her, you know, her pool, and puts him in there and nurses him back to health, uh, tries to communicate with him, that sort of thing, but it it ends up being very. Um, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not a romance. Uh, it's more of a you know, what could I've discovered? And he's he's not a. Uh, he's more of an alien than he is a. Uh, a person. And I thought. I mean, it's not a. It's not at all H.P. Lovecraft, but it's it's the same sort of. Um, the science of of the sea. You know, the sea creature that isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't. I remember what uh, what story it was. It was. I think it might have been a science fiction novel, but there were um, squids in there, and they were uh, using the squids as intelligences in um, spaceships. Does that ring a bell to anybody? That sounds like your story. It could have been. No, it could have been like <laughs> Greg Egan or, or somebody like that. Maybe Oceanic. That sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't remember if it's one of your stories, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a novel. But anyway, yeah, more undersea uh, stuff. Could it have been Peter Watts? Did Peter Watts write that one? 
<laughs> that, that's okay. immediately who came to my mind when you Is said it? that, but I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. But but anyway, that's what, what that story reminded me of is is going on. <laughs> what do you think if you're Peter Watts and you're like, great? So the idea of squids running spaceships—that's what my name makes people think of. <laughs> Many things. All the work I've done. Hmm. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Did anybody listen to the Art of Alchemy? I know I listened to it, but it was the only one that I look at, and I can't call to mind the story. No, not yet. But I like Ted Cosmata, so, or Cosmatka, however you say his name. Yeah, I think that's right, Cosmatka. Alan, <laughs> what's the story about? <laughs> Well, uh, it's kind of uh, an industrial espionage story uh, where uh, it, it, uh, a, uh, a, a company is, has developed some uh, nanotubes which are stronger <gasps> yes. than steel. Yes. You remember now? Yes, I do. I liked it very much. Yeah, the um, and it's twisted around within the people the way the steel twists around on itself, mm -hmm, I thought. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a wonderful kind of a reflection. It really, it's almost a reflection of what's happening with the people and the story that you're hearing. Yeah. Kind of twists and turns with the life of its own, and as this guy what's happening and what he's doing and investigating, then it's twisting and turning like that also on itself. Uh, uh, yeah. It could be wrong. No, no, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, and um, I, I have not read a whole lot of, of Ted's work, but uh, maybe five or six stories, but every story I've read uh, from him has just been wonderful. I, 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 this is a guy to watch. Mm-hmm. I agree. Here. I, uh, I think I've only heard, I've heard him on Starship Sofa a couple of times maybe, or maybe more, I don't know. I lose track. But, um, yeah, so I saw this name and I went, ooh, one of his. <laughs> and this was really an interesting story, I thought. Also, again, about people, but that's so much of science fiction, that's the point. Well, what collection did you find that one in, Alan? Uh, ooh, I have to remember. I, I think uh, it was... it Seeds of Change? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think it was either an Asimov's or fantasy and science fiction I'm trying to remember uh, I, I think it was in one of those two you know you I must think, have a oh go ahead sorry oh I was going to say he wrote another one called the n-word and I think that one was in seeds of change I think I heard that one yeah the, 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 the yeah they, where the n-word is for Neanderthal yeah mm -hmm. hmm. I read that one maybe um uh, what, are you are you buying up all these anthologies and devouring them? Is that how you're getting getting the stories? To, to oh uh, yeah, I, I I'm reading uh, yeah all the all the anthologies I get my hands on and, and of course the uh, uh, the four basic magazines uh, uh, in our genre. So yeah, I'm constantly reading to to get these stories. You must have a huge library. Uh, yeah, that's that's something my wife <laughs> keeps uh, reminding me of. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you You're use some of these next live? year? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. well, tell her tell her it's in a good cause. 
<laughs> we appreciate it very, very much. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say is, gee, what a tough job, reading science fiction stories all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody has to do it. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're a hero, what can I say? <laughs> giving it up for the cause. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what, well, I guess you can't um, tell us what you're... What you're thinking about asking permission to uh, to record in the future, but is there something uh, on the horizon other than the the October release that Scott's got in his hot little hands uh, that you you've got in the pipeline? Yeah, we um, we're planning um, a, a robot anthology in March. Cool. Oh neat. And uh, yeah, so it, it's uh, I think we're going to use the title "We Robots" <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That's cool. Nice. Uh, so that that's that that's so that's uh, right now. I'm 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 uh, trying to wrap up uh, getting contracts. I've got commitments. I'm just waiting for the contracts to get in the mail. Great. That's fantastic. Yeah, looking forward to that very much. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, what's what's the status of um, Infinivox's titles with uh, Audible? Are they all available there? Uh, no, they're not all available because uh, way back when we started doing these things on cassette, we didn't envision audio downloads at the time, mm-hmm. and so and so uh, some of the stories we don't have the rights for uh, oh. to put uh, at, you know to put them on download you know on the computer for downloads. Right. Um, it, but all are still available on CD. Then I guess is that right? Well, uh, there's there's three that are only available on cassette, and Uh-oh. that would be, uh, uh, and but everything else is on uh, on uh, uh, CDs. Uh, the three that are only on cassette are are um, Connie Willis's Cibola, uh, mm-hmm. um, and then um, Mike Resnick's uh, um, Karen Yaga. And uh, we've got a Kiriyaga one story and a Kiriyaga two story. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, but outside of I, so outside of that, everything else is on on CD as well. Oh, good. Okay. I still I, I thought I might have missed one. Um, I remember when you guys were first coming out, there was like a brochure, and I thought there was a fourth Kiriyaga or a third Kiriyaga title that was going to come out. But uh, never did, or was is there a missing Infinivox uh, catalog? We were originally going to do uh, uh, several or all the stories in the Karanaga series, um, it just, but it just didn't pan out that we could do that. And by, and by the time uh, we were able to start turning things around, uh, um, Mike had. Um, had an offer from I forget what publisher Blackstone I think yeah yeah to do the whole entire series and so uh, so uh, that's what happened I gotcha so. nice yeah Mike Resnick is a terrific short story writer as well mm-hmm. and it would be neat to it would be neat it, to yeah. have a, a single author collection of Ted Chang and a single author collection of Mike Resnick <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> like yes, in my dreams. Yes, it would be great, right? <laughs> well, 
he said he was taking notes, so I thought I'd throw that out. Well, <laughs> you're making your wish list. <laughs> wish list, yeah. And another thing, though. <laughs> yes, and Jeffrey Ford. I'll, I'll put my vote in for Jeffrey Ford then. Mm-hmm. 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 And, uh, and, and Nancy Crass. You bet. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's another Nancy Crass in your catalog. What was the name of that one again? Oh, uh, Beggars in Spain. Yeah, Beggars in Spain. That's right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. It's a, one it's of a physics ones. story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's a story that ooh, it's 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 uh, in my opinion, if you if you're going to write the uh, the ten best uh, tales of the last you know thirty years, that that's got to be one of them. Yeah. yeah. Mhm. And there's the title for your next anthology. <laughs> uh, heck yeah. Good stuff. Uh, what's Guest Law? Do we... Um, that's by John C. Wright. I'm looking at... Uh, what? Guest Law. Guest that's Law is another oh. release of theirs. Single CD oh. release, is that John right? John C. Wright. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think that was our... Uh, Last uh, great science fiction story collection. Oh. Or selection. John C. Wright, really? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay then. Says, there I be like pirates him. in the vast void of space. Does uh, not the yeah. poet say, "Beware of the strangeness of the stranger." Unknown things bring unknown danger. I like yeah, I, some John C. Wright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know his, if we have that one in or not. I don't think we did. Um, Oh, yeah, I'm send it to you then. Oh, yeah, please goody. do. Goody, goody, goody. Okay, yeah, that, so that story is just—it's it's, it's beautiful. Uh, the way the way John writes is just—you uh, know—is—is is almost poetic. It's—it's—I—you I, just, just get sunk in the story from from his writing. It just—I—I I don't know of too many uh, folks that write like him. He—it's just—it just language is—is—is—is is, is, um, is very different. But it, 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 you know, it, it, it's uh, well. I don't know how to explain it except that it's it's just beautiful. Uh, I'm up for pirates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right hey, did you guys did you guys see uh, Disney announced another Pirates of the Caribbean? Speaking of pirates, it's going to um, be called. It's going to be called. Yeah, on Stranger Tides. <sighs> and you know kidding? who wrote a pirate novel called On Stranger Tides? Uh, Tim Powers. <laughs> so I'm wondering. Oh. I'm wondering. Well, is, is on Stranger Tides a quote from like some Shakespeare play or something? I'm, I'm just wondering. Did they maybe are they going to adapt Powers' novel into a Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Or I, I have hopes. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't read the novel, so I don't know if it's good. Okay. It's Tim Powers, so I'm assuming it's good. Um, but but I was just curious if there was a connection that they were going to actually. Make it a really good movie. <laughs> oh, well, that would that would be nice. That would be well, nice. I, I, <laughs> a nice change. But I, I, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, you mentioned pirates. Um, the the well, thing that I read on Sci-Fi Wire said that um, Johnny Depp is going to be in it, of course, but Orlando well, Bloom and Kira Knightley will not be. So it's like they're well, kind of starting over with a new story or something. But I, you know, <laughs> who knows if that'll last another three movies? You know, he was. That is a great, great character, but I think we might have seen all he can do with it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I pretty feel that way, but, yeah. you know, they, if they wrote a good script, you can't tell. That's for sure. That's the key right there. That's 
that's it's the script is the key. It doesn't matter if you have Johnny Depp or not. If you otherwise you have Pirates of Caribbean three. Right. Period. Exactly. Total chaos. You know? Yeah, he can only do what he can do. Still don't know he what was with save. that giant woman. I, yeah, <laughs> I, it's just all bad memory to me. I like to move on. <laughs> well, I, I have a an eat your heart out story about uh, on Stranger Tides. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And way back when, uh, when Tim Powers came out with this uh, novel. Here in Houston, there used to be a, a science fiction specialty bookstore called uh, Future Visions. Mm-hmm. And he had come down to sign uh, uh, books. And so on my copy of On Stranger Tides, he's written uh, that uh, in, the, in his inscription that this is the first copy of uh, this novel that I have signed. Oh, wow. Hey, that's neat. Oh, man. Yeah. Very cool. That's great. Yeah, Very neat. Cool. Yeah, An really. association copy. <laughs> Got <that> most valuable <laughs> version I'm looking at. It's a historical fantasy set in uh, the Caribbean. Interesting. Maybe they did, you know? Maybe somebody said, you know, in case, instead of doing this, I've always wondered why Hollywood does that. You know, I mean, like this anthology um, of from Infinivox, I mean, there's two or three stories here that would make terrific movies, but they they keep making dumb movies <laughs> instead, <laughs> you know. And they've got this wealth of material. But I mean, it would be interesting if Disney said, "Hey, there's this really cool novel, and we could adapt this," you know, kind of like you know they did it with a couple of Star Trek episodes, um, <laughs> you know, taking a good short story and making it a, mm-hmm. a Star Trek episode, you know, and, and those are some of the best ones. So. Who knows? I guess I have I have hopes, but we'll see. Any chance well, of an audiobook version of this? Uh, we're not working on anything like that. Right I don't now. know. I think it's a good idea with that movie coming out. <laughs> yeah, if, if, it's Disney, an idea. if Disney optioned it, I'm sure that they've got that wrapped up too. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say you have to go around the edges on that, do an end run. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would be a good thing to go get right now. You know, even if uh, even if it's not as novel. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of sales. Yeah. Something close, right. But um, if it's not, you'd think that uh, there'd be a problem with that. You know, a pirate novel called On Stranger Tides and a Pirates of Caribbean movie named On Stranger Tides, I think. Well, titles are not copyrightable or trademarked. Okay. What's the Charles Straw situation at Infinivox? You've got two releases. Is that all that we're ever going to see? We've got... Three. Three? Uh, yeah, we've got antibodies, which I believe... Um, yeah, we uh, too. Yes. And then uh, lobsters. Oh, and, right, lobsters. I'm forgetting and lobsters. And then uh, 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 Cold War. Uh-huh. Um, right now, he's not writing a lot of short uh, fiction. He's, he's, his novel career, it looks like it's really taken off. Yeah, it sure is. So... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm certainly open to doing. I love his stuff, so I'm 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 certainly open to doing more of his stuff. But right now, I, I don't think he's writing a whole lot of short fiction. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Uh, the other, I'm just looking through the uh, the catalog and reminiscing about all these awesome <laughs> audiobooks I've listened to. Andy Duncan. Uh, the first time I encountered him was with uh, the chief designer. Mm-hmm. Um. Is there anything else um, by him? Um, yeah, he's got a, uh, some uh, 
uh, other stories out. I uh, that that is that that chief de- designer is just like uh, in a tremendous story. I, I, it mm-hmm. won the uh, Theodore Sturgeon Memorial Award uh, the year it came out, and uh, um, wow, um, I think. Uh, the folks at Golden Griffin have have done an anthology of of his uh, a collection of his stories and and uh, um, he he's he to me uh, he's he's one of our special writers in the field and and not too many people know about him, which is no. a shame I think. I'm I'm just wondering if there's something else out there I should be be looking for because uh, basically, I think I wrote it in one of the reviews I saying like. If 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 Alan Castor picks it, it's going to be good. Because uh, maybe it's like our, our tastes are so close. But I, I don't know. I think I think I just have really good taste, and therefore you you do <laughs> you like everything I like. <laughs> He's the Jesse Willis essential. Right. Put the label on him. <laughs> but but the thing is, is you're finding these before I do, right? So. Um, I'm just wondering what 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 who should I be uh, looking out for? Who do who who do you say is the you know our our the guy we other like like Andy Duncan who who is un unrecognized in their greatness? Oh uh, well, I, I think another another uh, uh, writer that uh, that doesn't get. Uh, uh, his just desserts, <laughs> uh, as far as um, uh, being well known, is is uh, Michael Swanwick. Okay, um, I've, read, I've I, read a lot of his. Yeah, this guy, uh, this guy, just tremendous. And and well, when I talk to <laughs> lots of the people, uh, they've never heard of him. And so he, uh, so I think he's right in that category. And I think he's been writing longer than than Andy, also. I'm looking through I'm his. Just, you know, uh, as a as a person, I'm sorry. I, I'm just not seeing a lot of stuff in the audio. That's probably why I'm not. Of Michael Swanwick. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even think of any. That's probably why I'm not super familiar. With <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we were um, uh, on that anthology we're coming out with, uh, We Robots in March. Uh, we're going to have one of his stories. Oh, in. great. Oh yeah, and I I remember. Um, I can't remember the name of the place, but the, he did a couple of Hugo uh, nominee anthologies. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember the the name of the company, Sci-Fi Audio or something like that. Is it? okay. Yeah, he's got a few uh, Swanwick stories on audio. Oh wait a second, yeah, that's sort of ringing a bell. Um, I think there was a story called The Edge of the World or something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then he's he's got a. Oh, one of uh, another great story that he's written. It's a novella. It's, it's uh, uh, the Griffin's Egg. Oh yeah, the Griffin's Egg. Um, yeah, but check Sci-Fi Audio if they're still around. But uh, I was gonna ask you, Alan. Um, you know, what what do you feel like about the uh, the state of the magazine industry and everything? As a person who's reading a lot of it, do you feel like you're getting um, better quality from the print anthologies? Or um, magazines, or is it kind of equal? You're finding gems in both places. Uh, well, I, I think just in general, the the, uh, the the quality of science fiction that's being written today is is 
much you know is 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 much better than it has been in the past. I mean, these last few years have seen wonderful anthologies and and stories being written and written in in a in a in a whole lot of different subgenres of you know of, of science fiction. Not and so we've got breadth and we've got depth going up for us right now. So it makes being an anthologist a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I think I, I get concerned about the, the the magazine market when 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 uh, they start going you know, from monthly to uh, uh, you know to maybe eight times a year and and so that that concerns me. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I, the number of anthologies that have been coming out, original anthologies uh, uh, in the past two or three years, and there's been a lot of them. So yeah, it's, it, it that's been surprising to me. Flat. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask is um, in my extreme ignorance, so I'll just expose it here. Um, I thought the anthologies were usually from things that had come up in print somewhere else like the magazines. Are they not that way usually? Sometimes. Are they submissions just straight to publishers who then say, and we'll put together an anthology? <laughs> well, How does that yeah. work? Yeah, I think there's there's a mix. Uh uh, so, for example, I, I, last year uh, we had ori- uh, original anthologies, uh, what, Fast Forward 2 and Sideways in Crime, both of those by Lou Anders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then another original anthology was Eclipse 2 by Jonathan Strahan. Um, I think there mm-hmm. was um, uh, the Solaris book of new science fiction. Had an anthology out last year of original fiction, and and then Nick Gevers uh, had Extraordinary Engines last year. John, so there were, there Joseph were, Adams mixes his. I think they're new and and reprints. Yeah, he, he's mixing them, and and they're and and uh, I'm really enjoying the stuff he's putting out. Yeah, he's uh, he's a big audiobook fan, so I think there's a a lot of uh, great stuff in there that you know would be good as audio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then this year, somebody who's putting out another mixed collection is uh, I forget the exact title, but it's uh, Mike Asher is doing this mammoth book of some kind of science fiction. I can't remember what, what the adjective is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, it's got there's it, only got like uh, of the, all the stories in the collection. It's only maybe four or five stories that are original, uh, uh, and I haven't got my hands on it yet. But I. I Planning to is one of the originals is by Robert Reed. So, oh, good, great. Oh, okay. From Penguin Audio, this is kind of a unique thing that they're trying to do here. Um, this is a book called Level Twenty Six: Dark Origins. Uh, it's read by John Glover. Um, the writer is Anthony E. Zucker with Dwayne Swarzynski, and um, it's a CSI type of a thing. But I'll tell you what kind of makes it unique here in just a second. Um, here's the description. It is well known among law enforcement personnel that murderers can be categorized on a scale of tw- 25 levels of evil, from the naive opportunist starting out at level 1 to the organized, premeditated torture murderers who inhabit level 25. And of course, there's a level 26. <laughs> Added that in <laughs> myself. So, so this is about a serial killer who's in 11. Um, but what makes it unique? Um, it's a, it's called a digi audio experience. 
What is a Digi Audio experience? Well, um, as I understand it, without having listened to this yet, um, at, at there are breaks in this audio that direct you to the web. And you, you log in with the code that's given, and you get to watch a short film um, that is a bridge between the chapters of the novel. So uh, wow. it's kind of an interesting concept. You know, I don't know if it will catch on or not. Um, but they've this is the first one that they've published in, of this style. And again, probably good for marketing. I, yeah. I, I can't imagine myself, you know, pausing my audiobook and, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> rushing over to the computer, typing in a password, watching the video, and then going back to the uh-huh. audio. That doesn't seem very likely to me. Yeah, it, it seems a, a little surprising to me because, um, you know, books are supposed to be different from uh, movies. You know, that, that's why we read books. If they were the same, you know, we'd just all watch movies and, and be done with it. it. It's kind of making it almost a, a movie out of the book, I suppose. Or, you know, maybe they're trying to uh, make this into a film of some type, and uh, I don't know. Interesting Would you concept, ever do though. Something like that, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, I like people trying new things. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure this is for me, but it, it's, it, it sounds interesting anyway. You bet. Okay, uh, from Brilliance Audio, we got some some good stuff here. Um, the Beastmaster by Andre Norton, um, book one of the oh. Beastmaster Chronicles. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that was uh, public domain or not. Suddenly, Brilliance is doing that? Yeah, Brilliance. Yeah, it's a hard copy. It's read by Richard J. Brewer, um, who it says here he has appeared in stage productions of Rosencrantz and Guildensterner Dead. I love that. love that play. Or was this turned into a movie by Mark I Singer? Do you know? I do believe. Okay. Um, left Homeless by the War that Reduced Terror. Oh, no, this can't be it. Left homeless by the war that reduced Terra to a radioactive cinder, uh, Hostine Storm, a Navajo commando and master of beasts, is drawn to the planet Arzor to kill a man he has never met. Um, so it's Andre Norton. Uh, why, why do you think it's not? Because uh, uh, the Beastmaster movie is one I remember pretty well. It says, uh, a, a, a film based cinder. on the novel. That's what it says on the Wikipedia entry. Does it really? Yeah, loosely a, based. Okay. <laughs> um, well, the guy, the guy. First of all, he was not Navajo. And, yeah. And second of all, in the movie, he wasn't, and uh, there wasn't any radioactivity. It was just a uh, kind of a fantasy setting, you know, a yeah, normal fantasy setting. Did not significantly follow the plot, novel's okay. plot, or <laughs> so they just took the yeah. name and then ran with it. I guess. And the concept too. I mean, the guy is a master of beasts. Yeah, he is a master of beasts, and he's got. Uh, um, I like Andre Norton. I I think, oh, you know, yeah. I'd be up for that absolutely. Oh, yeah. There's no yeah. yeah. In fact, I liked that movie. I saw it several times when I was younger. <laughs> I thought it was really really good. Uh, back then, I wonder. I, I doubt that I'd feel the same now. <laughs> did you read a lot of Andre Norton as a kid? Actually, I did not. I did not. I haven't. I, I can't even remember. I think I read an Andre Norton, but it was only after someone's, you know, uh, highly recommended her. But she wrote mostly YA stuff, right? Uh, yeah, sort of. I think it's sort of like uh, she's like the twin of Heinlein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Heinlein juveniles. And did you uh, have but, you but, read? You know, uh, I hear most of people say, you know, Heinlein and Norton. For me, it was Asimov and Clark. Yeah. 
Have you read any uh, Norton, Alan? Uh, I I have read wow way back when uh, a, a couple of her witch novels. Mm-hmm. Um, Which world? Uh, but, but that that's yeah. But that's about it. That's like a big gaping hole in my my reading right there. I, I have not read much of her. I'm I'm kind of like I was uh, an Asimov, a Clark Bradbury kind of yeah. reader when I was. Right. It's the same same. All right, and next is uh, book three in the Honor Harrington series by David Weber, The Short Victorious War. Um, so that's book number three, also read by Allison Johnson, who read the uh, other two. And I know that this one was a uh, uh, Audible Frontiers. Before oh, it, uh, interesting. Became, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Brilliance has been publishing a lot lately. In fact, I've got yeah. one more here. Uh, the Rise of End- Endymion. Oh, that's uh, the sequel to the one you just reviewed. Uh, it's it's actually the the last of four. So oh. the, Hi- the Hyperion Cantos is Hyperion, and then the Fall of Hyperion, and then Endymion, and now the Rise of Endymion. And as far as I know, that's all all four. Have you got the ones in between? I have. Uh, they sent us Endymion and the Rise of Endymion, and then uh, the Fall of uh, Hyperion. I don't have. Well, you could probably get that from Audible, I guess. Yeah, sure. I could call them up or whatever, but Hyperion was terrific. Um, that that was a, a great book. I, I wrote yeah, a that. review of it. Um, but it, it's kind of a Canterbury Tales in space. Uh, from what um, I, I, I've listened to some commentary by uh, Luke Burridge, who's been on the show, mm-hmm. and also listened to a Kick-Ass Mystic Ninja podcast, in which it was commented that um, the other novels are not like Hyperion. Meaning, um, the Hyperion is kind of like a Canterbury Tales in space. You, you know, you could almost take those seven stories and publish them as separate stories, even though they're all connected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they were absolutely terrific. I mean, it's some of the best science fiction I've ever read. I, I just absolutely loved it. Um, very deeply affecting stories. You know, uh, these people are. You know, there's very high stakes for all of them, but they're all different. And they all come from different walks of life, yet they live in the same universe. And just the level of detail is um, kind of remarkable. Um, so he, uh, anyway, so uh, the, in, in a general sense, the story is about these seven people are going on a pilgrimage to see the Shrike, which is some kind of an alien creature that uh, has powers that they, they hope, um, you know, they can intervene in their uh, personal situations. <laughs> um, so the the book of Hyperion is all about the journey to the Shrike, and it ends. And I don't, I don't think I'm giving too much away here. It ends with them just about there. <laughs> so when you read Hyperion, you're like, ah, you know, you, you read that thing, and you're like, oh, it's done. Um, so I've got to read the Fall of Hyperion. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So <laughs> and I haven't Neat. yet. So the, they're poised to meet the Shrike uh, after a, an entire novel worth of getting there. Um, but but actually the novel is really the story of why they're going there because each person has told their story because they've all been thrown together for some reason and uh, they've decided to tell each other their stories so that they can kind of see why they're connected. It's uh, multiple readers, right? Yep. Yeah, it was very well done. Very, very well yeah, done. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Is that true of the one you just received? No, the one I just received and also the Endymion is just Victor Bavine. Okay. Um, so it must, you know, that that's another clue that it's not the same kind of book. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I read um, Dan Simmons, not on audio, but um, he wrote one called uh, Olympos. Was a, there was a first part to it. It had to do with Greek gods. I mean, Ilium? I Ilium, Ilium, yeah. Ilium and then Olympos, I think, is the second one. But that, that again, you know, I guess Dan Simmons, like you said, he writes really long, like uh, The Terror, which is a book I, I received and, and I want to get into it, uh, is almost a thousand pages long. But if you read Ilium, it's the first half of a novel. And Ilium is huge, so you read Ilium and then it it stops, just like Hyperion did. And then you well, got, you got to read Olympos, but yeah. I haven't read Olympos. Is it the first half it, of a novel, or is it the first? Is it like the the Iliad and Olympos is the uh, the Odyssey? It, it could be, it could be, but the um, the I- Ilium. I have not read Olympos, but I read Ilium. Ilium ends with him. The, the main character on the cusp of uh, discovery of something. That sounds so, like it make a good audiobook too. Yeah, I mean, I think that they would, but they're very, very long. Very, very long. Like this one here <laughs> is uh, uh, 30 hours long. 30 hours wow. and 20 minutes. Yep. That's hefty. That's, that's <laughs> long stuff. <laughs> how, come, how come you guys don't do super long stuff uh, at uh, Infinivox? Is it just, you know, you don't have the attention span or... <laughs> well, uh, I don't have 30, 30 hours. That, that'd take me... Uh, no, I, I'd be curious. You know, I've always felt, and I've said this several times, um, that the novella is just about the perfect size for a, an audiobook. And again, that there is, you know, kind of a wealth there. That would be three to four hours long. Um, can you oh, shed any light on maybe, maybe why it isn't? Um, I know nobody's doing it, but um, Alan, do you have any kind of a commentary there on why maybe that's not the best way to go? Uh, you mean, uh, as far as novellas? As far as publishing novellas on audio. Yeah, on audio. Well, uh-huh. uh, I think it's it's being done a, a little more than it used to be. Um, um, I, I think at, at audible.com they've, they've come out with a few lately. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but I, I, I think um, what happens is the uh, the audiobook market it mostly tries to to get a ride from the from 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 the novels uh, from print. So like when, uh, for example, uh, Elizabeth Bear comes out with a new novel and it also comes out on audio, that they're like uh, piggybacking on the on the publicity of that novel, and it, you can't. It's that's a little harder to do when you're when so, you've got Ellis. So it's not a length issue. It's really an issue of, um, or maybe it is a length issue because you know, like you you're publishing short stories, um, mm-hmm. so you're you're not piggybacking on uh, a novel's uh, success. Um, it, yes, but maybe that's, that's a risk that you take. You're willing to take at a shorter length, but not at a longer length. Uh, well. I mean, we we've done no, uh, novellas uh, uh-huh. in the past. In fact, in fact, uh, probably on Audible.com, our best-selling uh, title is a novella. Oh yeah, which uh, one is that? It, that's uh, Peter Hamilton's uh, Escape Route. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So I, I guess there, there's 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 more to it, but but I I agree. I think the novellas are like the the perfect length. Yeah, they're they're like jewels that haven't been mined, <laughs> you know, because a, a three to four hour audio, you know, having, you know, it, it's like you know we've been inundated with these giant audiobooks lately, and uh, you know, twenty hours long, you know, twenty five hours long, and um, 
you know, th they must be publishing them because uh, that's what people uh, want to buy. But, but wow, give me a three or four hour audiobook, and I think that that's just perfect. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like that too. I um, when when I listen to it, something that's twenty, thirty hours, it's it's it for me. It's very hard because I I don't have long treks in the car. And that's when mostly I uh -huh. I listen. Uh, to audio now. Yeah, and I think uh, if you've got a commute of any length, you know, a, a long book might be really welcome. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening a couple hours a day, you know that that might be really good. And I, I do enjoy several of them. I'm not saying you know that I, I really dislike them. Uh, maybe it's just because we've gotten so many lately that uh, the thought of listening to another really long one's just kind of maybe <laughs> I just need to need to slow down because it, it just takes me so did. long. You know. Probably because most most people don't listen to as many books as we do, uh -huh. or read as many books as we do. So they, you know, they get one a year or two a year or three a year, mm -hmm. and then that's that's they're gonna get one. It's, it has to be, you know, more than th three or four hours. Right, right. That that'd be my guess. Mm -hmm. But from what I, I've been reading about uh, Audible, um, they're saying he's in. I was reading in an uh, interview with um, the founder of Audible saying the reason that they had to create their new uh, imprints is because the their customers were, you, you know, saying, I've run out of stuff to listen to. Really? You know, the hardcore of people who are listening in their, you know, in their favorite category have just completely run out of, you know, they've gone through the entire catalog. Wow. And so they can't get enough from the... Uh, the publishers that means you know what are they going to do they're going to start turning away or they're going to stop listening they drop their audible account that makes a lot of sense to me mm -hmm. yeah. so uh, it probably is the case that there's there's a hardcore of people out there who just suck down a lot of audio huh. yeah yeah i i think as as i go to conventions um uh, a lot of uh our customers are are truck drivers Right, and uh, and of course they put on <laughs> miles and miles and miles uh, uh, every month, and and uh, they are enormous consumers of audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Is coffee and audiobooks? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> they they go together well, actually. <laughs> deal. All right. Well, here um, also from Penguin Audio, I've got Terry Goodkind's latest book which um, I, I don't think it's science fiction, but it, it, it would appeal to the same crowd. Um, so it, let, let me just read it. Turning 27 may be ter terrifying for some, but for Alex, a struggling artist living in the Midwest, it is cataclysmic. Inheriting the huge expanse of land, inheriting a huge expanse of land should make him a rich and happy man. But something about this birthday... His name and the beautiful woman whose life he has just saved has suddenly made him and everyone he loves into a target. A target for extreme and uncompromising violence. In Alex, Terry Goodkind brings to life a modern hero in a whole new kind of high-octane thriller. Longtime fans and new readers alike will not forget The Law of Nines. So the book is called The Law of Nines. Read by Mark Terry Deacons. Goodkind. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think I've read anything by him. Um, he wrote giant fantasy novels. Um, That's what's what's his, the first book? The, uh, was it The Swords of Shannara? Or? No, that was Terry is, Brooks. Is that the, 
That's Terry Brooks. Oh, that's that's right. Um, there's a there's a show out called Legend of the Seeker. Um, it's a TV show that is oh, based yeah, on yeah. the first book of Wizard, that series. Wizard's first rule. That's is that it. it. That's it. Yeah. Wizard's first rule. Yeah. Um, so that was the first in his series of those books. Um, giant book though. Um, but that's all I've got on new releases. I haven't looked at Audible. Um, last week we talked about how they had uh, Lucifer's Hammer. There's another. It's a long book, but I'd sure like to hear that one. Oh. I'm gonna get that one on my list. Yeah, you're a big Larry Niven fan, I think, right? I do. I like Alan? Larry Niven. Uh, oh, Alan, Alan is, yeah. In fact, the first, oh, yeah, the first Infinivox title I heard was yeah. Rammer. Rammer by yeah. uh, uh, Larry which, Niven. Which makes me think of Pat Bottino, which makes me think, uh, why, aren't, why aren't more audiobooks narrated by Pat Bottino? I, I really like his voice. Oh, I, I, I do too, and I think we'll be coming, he'll be doing some more for us. Right. Because it's, it's just scheduling, usually. Yeah. What what kind of feedback do you get? A lot of feedback from customers about you know who they like as a narrator. Uh, yeah, we sh- sure we do. Um, uh, we get both uh, you know positive and negative feedback. You know, most it, I'd say the positive way outweighs the the negative quite by quite a bit. But uh, yeah, we certainly do get feedback. So uh, what what do they th- what do they think about his voice? Because I've heard mixed things. I've heard other people. I've you know I said listen to this audiobook, and they said wow, his voice is weird. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. I I think uh, sometimes uh, the, the negative comments I've heard would be more like well he's he reads too fast or okay, uh, but that's usually not. His fault is that he has to because we need the thing to fit and you know on, on a disc yeah. or, or on a cassette and it, they can't. That in one of these stories, I think it was, uh, it was it was like it, it, it had it had been at time edited so that uh, like a gap that would normally be filled with uh, music was completely compressed. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's yeah. Is that a is that that's a, a CD issue and. You can't. You, you you try and keep. I got my my copy digitally. So it, does it? Is it the case that you tried to have each story on an individual disc? The, yeah, that's exactly right. We had, uh-huh. uh, for example, uh, with um, with uh, Robert Reed's uh, Guest of Honor. It was a little over. I think it was that, uh, on the cassette. It was like 83 minutes. Well, you can, you can't fit. And when we went to go put it on CD. You can't fit 83 minutes on a CD. No. So we so we had to start cutting out uh, a lot of the uh, the uh, music. Dang. What about what about uh, MP3 CDs? Have you looked into that? Uh, no, we haven't done that. Um, uh, we uh, we, um, we could do uh, some of that, but now that our titles are available through Audible, um, we we just feel that everybody's getting it through uh, through I mean we a we lot go, of people are yeah yeah we we don't have people asking us for mp3s no but uh i think scott and i were agreeing with each other probably too too much agreeing and a, a little not less debating than should be but we were saying you know mp3 cd format was the best format for mm-hmm. a hard copy mm-hmm. um being that even even though um it's not. It's not because we have an MP3 CD player in our car that we're putting it in there. Although that's uh, pretty common now. It's just that 
um, you know, you want to have a hard copy. You want to be able to share a file, you know, you sh share an audiobook with someone. You say, hey, check this out. Um, and they rip it to their iPod, right? Yeah. It's one yeah. disc. There's no swapping. Um, it's it's super convenient, fast, mm -hmm. and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't have the com space compression problem. I mean, CD technology is really, I mean, it is 1980s tech, right? It's, <laughs> that's why it's so crazy that you could fit, uh, you know, so many... Uh, MP3s onto one CD and yet not lose all that much in in the way of sound quality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you say, Scott? Yeah, well, I, I agree. I, I like the MP3 CDs better, um, or just best, you know. Because if I was going to own a hard copy of an audiobook, um, that's the way I'd prefer to have it. Um, just because you, you get you get all the advantages of having the MP3s, plus you get the uh, you know the cover art and all that stuff. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would actually prefer it to downloading to, to actually own an MP3 CD format. Um, oh. Especially, you know, if it was a, like a fantasy novel or something like that, you know, you could put a map in there. I know Jesse's uh, talked about that, but I've talked about Absolutely. that in the past, too. Like, but uh, just, just that, you know, you don't lose any sound quality. Uh -huh. It does no nice. disc swapping, um, and mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, fitting to the length of a CD to to you know make it the right time. I, I I like I like the spaces that are you know in there the, the little sound cues that come in to let you know that time is passing in the mm -hmm. story world and um, it, it, do a straw poll when you're at at your uh, convention on, on next week did you say yeah next weekend yeah ask ask some of the customers to say what would you think of uh, mp3 CDs because I I I don't see or I know like I do have an M, a couple of MP3 CD players but what I do is I I just put it on my iPod right. right but then I can go and hand it to my friend and I say I just listened to this this is awesome um have a listen what do you think right that's you can't do that with an audible and you can't do that uh with a CD because it'll take them you know they have to re-rip it yeah, that yeah. takes forever. I mean, iPod is probably the way everyone who isn't a truck driver is listening. <laughs> it's what I think. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, uh, yeah, when I'm not listening in the car, then I'm listening on my iPod as well. Yeah. 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 When I'm in my car, I'm on my iPod too. I just plug it in. I have a cassette thingy. You know, one of those cassettes with the wire coming out of it. Yeah, that's what I use. <laughs> yeah, that's what I use. Um, you know, the next car I buy, you know, if I were to buy a new car, I, I think that, that that all goes away, too, because they, they come with jacks now that you can plug directly into the sound mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. So um, there wouldn't be any need for that. But, uh, but yeah, that, I've been doing that for a long time. That's just the way, the best way to do it. Okay. Uh, well, I'm making a note of it. Yeah. Cool. It's, just a, you know, it's interesting that... Um, a lot of uh, publishing companies haven't done that. I know that Tantor publishes that way, as well as regular has CDs. Some. And Blackstone and Brilliance. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't it's know. Changing. I don't know. Yeah, it's changing. I don't know if it's uh, if it's stalled or or what. But I know uh, several publishers haven't even moved that way. It's probably because audio CDs work no matter what. You know, mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. uh, if you got an iPod and an audio CD works, if you want to play it in your player, an audio CD works. So maybe that's the logic. 
Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the most it's the most uh compatible, I guess. But it also you know, it's not uh, I mean it's designed for music and even I mean if you look if you go into the like a uh, uh, you guys have Best Buy. Go into the Best Buy section and look at the this music section. It's tiny. The reason it's tiny is because most people are just downloading it because they don't mm-hmm. want to have the CD anymore. They will just want to have the music. Right. So you get it on iTunes. You get it whatever. Um, but for people who want to, you know, not have the the um, the DRM, they they want to be able to share it with their friend. Um, then they need a hard copy still. MP3 CD is the way to go. Sure. I okay. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the the list of auto, audible releases. Um, lot there's t- so many now, but um, Martian Chronicles just came out. Um. Uh, with a new reading. By Stephen Hoy. Oh yeah, Stephen Hoy's good. It's, it's uh, Blackstone. Interesting. Very That's cool. probably probably the fiftieth version of the Martian Chronicles, uh, <laughs> but it's good stuff. Yeah. Wow, sure Gorman Gast. They're really. Oh, and Gateway. Wow. Oh, Gateway's Gateway. Who came out with Gateway? That's uh, Audible Frontiers. No way. Yeah, and Robert J. Sawyer's got. Oh, I'm really account. interested to see how they pulled off Gateway. I, there's just a, yeah. couple, a couple of neat things that they would, could do with audio and Gateway. And, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember Gateway correctly, the, the, there's some parts to Gateway where where it's it's got a lot of computerese. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wonder how they're gonna do that. That's that's I, I gotta listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, there's a little sample here. Wonder if it has any of that. Hmm. It's good voice. Cool. Oliver Wyman is Oliver the narrator. Wyman, yeah. Good. Yeah. It says a bonus introduction uh, by Hugo and Nebula award-winning Robert J. Cern explains why Gateway is one of science fiction's all-time great novels, and I do believe that he actually says that um, it's his favorite novel. Yes. Yeah. Robert Cern's favorite novel, but it also says. Please note, some changes were made to the original text with the permission of the author. Uh, I wonder if that means they left out some of the computerese. <laughs> yeah, they must have. Maybe they did. Hmm. Interesting. Well, definitely. Mm-hmm. They, I see they have Man Plus, too. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, neat. Oh. Man Plus. Must be on page two. I'm, yeah. I'm going to look at that now. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.